Warning. This show may be unsuitable for young fillies, colts, and foals due to strong language prevalent in literally every episode, and some mild sexual innuendo. We will also touch on themes of racial relations, political climate, and other sensitive subjects, but we will let you know when those things come up. Pony, welcome to Equestria Gaze, a My Little Pony rewatch podcast. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Equestria Gaze. I'm Anya, my pronouns are they, them, and you can find me on Twitter at aka Anya. I'm joined by my partner in life, love, and podcasting, August. Hi, I'm August. I use they, them pronouns, and you can find me on Twitter at HarpyDora. Each week, we'll saddle in to rewatch an episode of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, to break apart what exactly the show is trying to say. The good, the bad, the downright problematic. We figured it's 2020 and everything is happening so much, so why not watch some cartoons? I personally had not seen My Little Pony until this year, so this was all pretty new for me. Um, however, I was a horse girl growing up, so the fact that I didn't watch this show is kind of confusing even to me. And I got into Friendship is Magic when it first came out. I witnessed the genesis of the Brony fandom, and I eventually fell off the cart around season four, which is to say this isn't my first rodeo. So this week, um, we'll be discussing season one, episodes one and two, Friendship is Magic. The series opener is a two-part special opener, which tells the story of the two sister princesses, Celestia and Luna, who control the sun and the moon. Luna grows jealous because the ponies sleep through and ignore her beautiful night, so naturally she becomes evil. Celestia uses the powers of the elements of harmony to trap her sister in the moon for a thousand years, but her return is foreshadowed for this year. Twilight Sparkle, our season one main character, tries to warn Princess Celestia about the return of her sister, but she's told to stop reading Old Mare's Tales and go make some damn friends. Of course, Nightmare Moon returns as prophesied, and this episode ends on a cliffhanger with Celestia gone and Equestria doomed to eternal night. So in episode two, Twilight Sparkle sets out to locate the six elements of harmony with her five new friends on a journey that showcases their element-specific talents. Applejack is honest, helping Twilight overcome her fears of falling off a cliff. Fluttershy is kind, treating the manticore with respect to reveal a thorn stuck in his paw. Pinkie Pie is funny, singing a hella catchy song about overcoming your fears with laughter. Rarity is generous, sacrificing her own beauty to help repair the sea serpent's mustache. 
Rainbow Dash is loyal, ignoring temptation and refusing to leave her friends behind and doom the entire world to eternal darkness. And Twilight Sparkle is literally magic. Friendship is magic, y'all. With the powers of friendship, they defeat Nightmare Moon, who returns to being Princess Luna. She apologizes to her big sister, and they return to Ponyville to party it up. Twilight Sparkle tells Princess Celestia that she doesn't want to return to Canterlot, and Princess Celestia gives her a new project, to stay in Ponyville and document friendship. So, the first thing we're going to talk about is the message to Phillies, Colts, and Foles. So what lesson are these episodes trying to pass on to the kiddos? And this is, we've kind of broken this up so that we each pick our own messages. And sometimes we maybe have even identified more than one. And the messages that I thought that the show was trying to impart to the young and impressionable were that it's okay to open up to other people and lean on them. And you don't have to do everything on your own. And some things even can't be done by yourself. And I thought that it was trying to say two things. Um, the first thing I picked out was that every pony is important in their own way. And everyone brings a unique talent to the table. So embrace your individuality. But I also think no one deserves to be judged by their worst moments. Um, especially in the last little bit of episode two. So... With that in mind, that's like the big takeaway for kids because it's a kid's show, right? But there's a lot being not said here. <laughs> yeah. And we've made a list. <laughs> it's not numbered. Sorry. It's just bullet pointed. Yeah. So um, right off the bat, Celestia's like God, right? That's pretty much what I got out of it. Like the whole world of My Little Pony is fascinating because, like, we're told from the start that this horse makes day and night happen. Like, it just wouldn't happen otherwise. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get to something else about that later. But yeah, I mean, this this particular alicorn just makes day and night happen and has unbelievable magical powers and has the ability to cast out her sister and lock her away in hell, uh, I mean the moon. So, you know, it's fine. Look, being locked away in the moon can't be that bad. Eh. Moon's haunted. <laughs> we learned that this year, 2020. The year of the cursed moon? Was it cursed? Yes, they cursed the moon. Okay. <laughs> this is fine. It's fine. I mean... I definitely see that and would agree, especially like knowing some of the things I know about the later episodes, but also like Twilight's initial letters to Celestia and Celestia's response. I legitimately thought that Twilight was not Celestia's star pupil, but like she thought she was because she seems like that kind of student. <laughs> so like the fact that she actually is completely threw me for a loop because I was waiting for it to be like, bitch, could you stop? stalking me please i'm just your professor yeah i don't know like there's a lot of the stuff that that comes up where it's like you know obviously this is a show meant for kids and so the show clearly makes some choices that are informed by either making the world more readable to the phillies colts and foals watching in the service of some sort of gag or the writers slash artists couldn't come up with something 
that was consistent or, you know, they just weren't bothering with consistency to begin with. But that's not going to stop us from being absolutely fucking baffled by some of the choices that get made. Oh, boy, is there a gag that I can't wait to destroy next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, there's your teaser for next week. I'm going to destroy a gag. Hot. Wow. (laughs) Please don't turn me into a meme. (laughs) I'm not going to turn you into a meme. Oh, God. Cut it. Cut it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I would agree that Celestia is God, basically. Um, So I personally found Spike's method of receiving letters to be pretty invasive. Uh, But also I have like a really bad gag reflex and the idea of like, belching up letters just really doesn't appeal to me (laughs) yeah especially the way that it gets played sometimes it's just like the sound effect does not do it any justice either (laughs) no but it, it is kind of interesting because you know this show is aimed at young girls and so you don't usually get that sort of like visceral gross humor for things that are aimed at that demographic so i mean interesting choice Not one I'd make, but interesting choice. I mean, little girls do also love belching. I personally am very off-put by (laughs) that whole situation. Yeah. No, I'm completely in agreement. Like, the fact that letters are transmitted to and from Twilight Sparkle through Spike's mouth one way or another is (laughs) a little distressing. And, like, he never knows when it's going to come. He just one second like suddenly belches out a letter and it he makes it look almost painful yeah so yeah that was mostly just a short notice for that thing but i don't like it and i continue to not like it for the next nine seasons yeah i thought that the use of ponies and uh pegasuses which Google tells me is the correct pluralization of Pegasus. I hate that. But it sounds really weird, and (laughs) I don't like it one bit. But the use of ponies slash winged ponies (laughs) as workers who pull stuff is kind of a lot, especially because the ones that we're first introduced to in the beginning do not vocalize using words. They just kind of like whinny and snort. Which, this is something that is a continuous theme throughout the show, and I'll probably continue to point it out the way that I would consider this to be, like, a really menial sort of job that humans tend to offload on either robots or work animals, like, you know, draft horses. Uh, They get put onto sentient-slash-sapient creatures in really weird ways, And it's also interesting because I'm pretty sure, at least for the stuff that I've seen, we never see a unicorn in this position. It's always a pegasus or an earth pony that's put in the position of hauling something. I had not actually noticed that, so I'm going to be on the lookout for it now to see if there's ever a unicorn doing that. Because, I don't know, it's implied that if you're a unicorn, you're like, kind of royalty right like you can do magic (laughs) yeah like and there's definitely some later stuff too sorry 
No, you're fine. It's just like the the caste system that's implicit throughout the entire show is kind of fucked. Yeah, there's yeah, there's definitely some stuff later that shows that like unicorns are sort of not vocalized, but it's pretty much saying that they are the most important of the three different kind of ponies we follow. Yeah. I wanted to point out just a passing line from Twilight. It's mostly a snarky comment, but uh, when she says the fate of Equestria does not rest on me making friends, like, Twilight, honey, I have some bad news for you about the theme of this show. Somebody didn't read the title card. (laughs) I bet Pinkie Pie did. Yep. (laughs) Kind of to that effect, uh, and this is something that I noticed on our rewatching, and I'm also going to keep an eye out for, like, uh, the way that Twilight interacts with Rainbow Dash in their first meeting, where she just kind of, like, manipulates Rainbow Dash into doing what she wants, is a little sketch. See, I read that scene entirely differently. I thought it was cute and also, like, showed her smarts. Like, she was able to read the room. (laughs) That's fair. I don't know. I do know that there are certain other interactions that happen between the main six later on in the series where it's like, that is not something friends do. Why do you hang out with these people who treat you this way? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, at this point, they're not friends. (laughs) She's literally just there to do a job and then save the world. But also the princess doesn't seem too concerned about saving the world. So I guess that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) she'll just create a new world anyway since she's god it's cool i don't know if that's how that works we find out how that works later don't we (laughs) uh not that i remember but we'll find out (laughs) um and i also isolated a line that i on consuming it again thought was kind of clever because when rarity is uh decorating the Uh, event venue for the summer sun celebration she ties a ribbon around one of the poles and says something to the effect of ah sparkle always does the trick and it's like oh that's that's actually a clever little nod to you know the fact that twilight sparkle is our heroine and she's going to save the day Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's pretty clear from the get-go that twilight sparkle is the most important of the main six. Yeah. And I mean, you know, she's our POV character, so that's not terribly surprising. Yeah, she gets... The others get well fleshed out, too, um, which I appreciate. Like, I feel like they all become people... People? Ponies? With, uh, <laughs> like, thoughts and opinions and, like, you know their quirks and stuff. But she definitely is, like the main you're supposed to project onto her and i do yeah but i mean like she's god's apprentice so you know yeah oh no i super project onto her so it worked (laughs) (laughs) yeah lauren faust just fucking came for you didn't she yeah well it's a pony living in a library uh who also like overschedules her life and checklist for days yeah i feel targeted if equestria had google sheets you know twilight would use it and so would i i do the world is equestria and it has google sheets (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so I did want to point out another thing that kind of has some unfortunate, like, okay, so this is definitely something that was just thrown in as a throwaway gag with no thought to greater ramifications in a more cohesive uh, storytelling sense. But Twilight calling Spike Casanova uh, just has some really unfortunate implications because that tells <laughs> us that there is some unicorn or presumably unicorn member of the nobility who was slutting it up 400 years ago and his name became synonymous with Manho. I mean, I want to look for more things like that because... That does imply the existence of a pony version of Casanova, right? I mean, yes, but on the other hand, it's something that fantasy authors uh, in particular butt up against because it's like there are certain things in our language that are inexplicably tied to historical references. And God, I'm trying to think a lot of it happens in fashion. And now I the examples that I had have all flown from my head, but there are certain things where it's like, okay, let's say uh, you wanted to describe somebody in your fantasy world getting a manicure and you wanted to say that the tip of the manicure is a different color. The easiest way that your audience is going to understand that is if you say that they're getting a fantasy French tip manicure where, you know, you're potentially in a realm that has no France uh, so why would they ever call anything French anything? And it's just because it's like, it's the reference to the viewer. But also at the same time, what the fuck kind of fillies, foals, and colts are going to be learning about a dude who went around sleeping with everything that wasn't nailed down, basically? Well, and on that note, like, I was thinking that's kind of an advanced reference for the target audience of this show, because I certainly did not learn about Casanova in grade school. I also went to public school, but... <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like, this is also well before the genesis of the Brony fandom and before the show started catering somewhat to the older audience that it had accidentally acquired, so it doubly doesn't make sense here. Yeah, it's... I don't know, from the beginning, they kind of expected to go in with some of the more adult references but i don't think they i still don't think they realized how big it would become oh absolutely not this was just capturing lightning in a bottle somehow yeah and so my next unfortunate thing that i noticed uh when twilight was pouring hot sauce into her drink i was wondering to myself are you know <laughs> Because, you know, some animals just aren't affected by capsaicin. Like, they can't taste spicy things as being spicy. Can I attest to the amount of research you did into <laughs> this question of are horses affected by capsaicin? I did a little bit of Googling, and the site uh, Petsoid.com tells me, quote, Eating peppers or anything in the nightshade family is so bad for horses that they can develop colic and lamin yeah, laminitis from peppers. Colic is an extremely fatal and painful disease for horses, and it can manifest in many forms. So, uh, rip twilight, I guess. Which, like, why was that sitting on the table? You think that would be banned? You'd think so, huh? <laughs> I mean... These horses are different uh, 
from aside from the talking and the magic um i desire to know what their makeup is yeah we shall just dissect a pony that's what i'm saying yes (laughs) and as we know particularly from various ponies getting bounced around their bones are made of rubber yes yes that is i mean they're ponies so i guess at least they're smaller than horses yeah they're fine they don't have like really fragile legs they don't have skeletons it's fine (laughs) all right you heard it here folks horses (laughs) don't have skeletons (laughs) would we denizens of the internet ever lie to you the internet would never lie yeah and so Going back to the kind of fucked cosmology, uh, Nightmare <laughs> Luna, or Nightmare Luna, Nightmare Luna, Nightmare Luna. We're going to take, <laughs> <laughs> take this again. I'll decide if I want to leave it in or not. Uh, so, Nightmare Moon slash Luna is like Lucifer, right? And also, where the fuck does the sun go when Celestia makes it set? Like, does she just, like, put it in her back pocket or something? Like, See, I was assuming that the land of Equestria was very similar to Earth, and it just goes to the other side of the pony planet. Planet, for short. Wow. I I can't think about... Po-planet? Po-lanet. Po-planet. Po-po-planet. <laughs> that's too many peas. <laughs> anyways but yeah so a where does the sun go because like uh because like this implies that there is a whole other side of equestria slash pony planet that is being burnt to a crisp because the sun doesn't go anywhere anymore and well, also like, no go ahead the moon doesn't seem to affect any tides or anything, so I guess they're just immune to being burnt alive. To be fair, thus far, we haven't actually seen an ocean. Everything seems to be landlocked, and the most water we see is like a fucking river, so... Yeah, but there are also places on Earth where the sun is out for elongated periods of time, so I don't think, like, they didn't tell us how much time passed, but I can't imagine it was long enough to, like, ruin the planet. Oh, sure. But I I more meant, and as far as, like, things being landlocked, I was mostly referring to, uh, we don't know what effect the moon has on tides because we haven't seen them yet, so. Yeah, we haven't seen an ocean yet, have we? Yep. Hmm, interesting. Could someone please draw me a map of Equestria? <laughs> there's gotta be one of those online. Almost certainly. Yeah, I refuse to believe there's not. But yeah, Luna's Lucifer, right? I mean, I don't know if they were intending to say that, like the creators, but it does fit the narrative. Yeah. I can't speak to whether it was intentional or not, because it's not like too overt, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where I think this is less intentional and more just comes from the whole like default or rather the the Christianity as default uh, sort of 
culture in the United States and Canada, because as I recall, it's a joint Canadian-American animation venture. Mm -hmm. But just, I mean, it also just applies to a lot of the English-speaking West in general. Just the, the Christian narrative being the default, it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't something that were intentional so much as something that they were just thinking oh this is a really simple basic story that you know seems really common and it just so happened that because it's so culturally pervasive that's what they came up with and I suspect strongly that if it had been an anime things would have been vastly different for the same reasons that's fair or at least we may not have thought like oh, this is like an allegory for Christianity. I don't know. I feel like it's a, a believable trope. Like, sister gets jealous of other sister's power, but maybe it is believable because of the Bible. The Bible made the trope. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's not that the Bible made the trope. Like, you know, gods getting jealous of each other is a tale as old as time. Like, gods have always been doing petty fucking bullshit to each other for as long as we've had any sort of oral tradition for them to be doing things in. So, I mean, that aspect isn't that different. It's specifically the way that Luna kind of like rebels against the natural order or what's mm -hmm. perceived as the natural order and the way that she is explicitly cast out and cast away. Yeah. I don't know. In terms of like comparing them to other gods and stuff, my mind wants to go with mythology. Just pick a mythology because there's more than these two princesses we learn later. Like they're not it. So yeah, but what's well, OK, we're getting ahead of ourselves when That's we're fair. talking about the other the other princesses. And believe you me, I will want to talk about that with reference to the pony equestria cosmology thing yeah that's fair we'll come back to it in a long time yeah but like i said especially with the way that luna gets cast out and with the way that she is you know trying to exact her revenge upon not only celestia but the residents of equestria just gives me really heavy, like, Lucifer vibes. Except in this version of the Bible, uh, God and Satan serve together <laughs> at the end. He says he's sorry. Yeah, it's the secret extra bonus New Game Plus good ending where Lucifer repents and is accepted back into heaven and is once again allowed to be at God's side and is loved by God once more. And they all lived happily ever after. Yep. That's how the Bible goes, right? Uh, I mean, I guess technically that's what you're supposed to get from it. Or I guess you're supposed to, like, I don't know. I can't claim to know what religion. <laughs> that's all. Just what religion. What is religion? Why, why is religion? Who is religion? <laughs> uh, what I can claim to know is... Uh, my next point that I have no other good segue into other than just beginning it, uh, but I'm a librarian, 
So the fact that the elements of harmony was filed under E, ignoring the word the, makes my librarian heart sing because I've seen things where it's not that way and what the fuck, the is not a word. <laughs> yeah, like, the the fucking Xbox Game Pass counts the as a word. Like, dude, what? Why? The is not a word. I mean, it, it's it's a word in that it's something that we say, but it, it's a definite article. It's not something you should be alphabetizing based on the also the library setup is also screaming at me for a different reason which is like do any of these books have authors because if they're all organized by title that i guess that would imply no yeah do do ponies even have a dewey decimal system um i mean for a library that small i could see not like breaking it into fiction and nonfiction, but if they did, it would probably just be ours. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I also, think... there. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, there are libraries like even in our town that don't organize by Dewey Decimal anymore, which is really hard to get used to. But um, yeah, I just remember so many hours spent in the school library in elementary and middle school having like the Dewey Decimal System drilled into my head. And while I don't remember the actual specifics of like what numbers mean what, I understand what the Dewey Decimal System means. Mm -hmm. If I can be told, I want to look up knitting books. Oh, knitting books are in the 500s. Then it's they're like, not. okay, I know they're not. Remember <laughs> remember the whole part where I don't remember what the numbers are? Uh, I want to say crafting is the 740s. I would have to check. Okay, so I get told that crafting is the 740s. I can go into a library and find a knitting book because I know what a book being filed under the 70, 740s means. So Hell yeah, it looks like it's 745. Nice. I don't know. The first thing I looked up online says 745. So, so what's under 690? Um, is it because of 69? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> so the category for six is technology. 69 is building. 690 is also building. So building. Nice. Uh, and then, you know, it goes 91, 92, 93 uh, with the various like subcategories. Warning incoming sex joke oh my god so would you say 690 would be about erecting hey i hope you've enjoyed the only episode of this <laughs> podcast we're going to do i'm sorry i guess we're having to break up now oh my god i'm so proud of myself yeah 700s are arts and recreation <laughs> and 740s are drawing and decorative arts oh nice Go me. They didn't even teach me that in grad school. But also, like, I feel like the library is something I'm going to keep coming back to just because of my career. But also, like, Twilight, you live in this library for how long and you still haven't organized your fucking books? Like, the running gag of her looking for a book is constant. Well, here's the thing. As we'll find out later, she's not the one who organizes the books. Spike is. That's true. And she never tells Spike how to organize the books. She's just like, organize the books, Spike. And Spike is a fucking, like, pubescent dragon, effectively. 
They never tell us his age, but they refer to him as a baby. They refer to him as a baby, but the way that he acts seriously reads as, like, a 12-ish year old. Like, he reads as a teenager to me. Yeah, that's fair. But anyway, you've got this teenage dragon with no, you know, most likely no actual training in, like, information systems or anything like that organizing an entire library and twilight just has him do it seemingly arbitrarily largely because the writers are making a gag or something like that but you know it makes sense that twilight doesn't know where anything is because she never participates in the organization of the information therein that's fair um but yeah anyway that's my aside into libraries um twilight organize your own damn library challenge (laughs) um i have no good way to segue into this next one but i noted uh six elements and six ponies boy i wonder if these characters are important like it hit me over the head like clearly they're important because they're the first people that are named but just geez i wonder if they're all somehow related to one very specific element and that's the like part of their personality that is going to become important they make it very obvious like obviously it's clear that these are the the six named characters they're going to be important anyways from the get-go but like as they're going on their journey like they don't necessarily hide that these six ponies not only are the main characters but they're very fucking important yeah and i mean you know Part of that is also, like, we're genre savvy. We're we're coming at this from the perspective of people who have been consuming media for basically our entire lives in one form or another. So it's like, we can ping onto these things really easily, but consider that the target audience are people who this may legitimately be the first cartoon they ever watch. Potentially. I feel like it's a little advanced i'm curious to see what age they specifically called their marketing to um which i will look up at some point because that interests me now i'm now interested yeah that's fair but the point still stands that the target audience has not had as many years as we have to learn these tropes and learn these plot structures the way that we have and so some of the things that seem incredibly obvious to us may not actually be that's fair i'm also bad with kids and like one thing i noted as important is like while it's not subtle that the ponies are important i did appreciate the unique way they went about solving the problems like having the manticore have a thorn stuck in his paw and they have to show it sympathy in order to get past instead of just punching it and like laughing at the murder trees to make them go away those are really unique things that i hadn't seen before so like it is still going above what i would have expected from a children's cartoon yeah and speaking of like the manticore it is kind of interesting because even though this is aimed at young girls, violence is still a tool that's on the table. It was their first thought. (laughs) Yeah, it's not necessarily the best tool for the job, but it is a tool that they have 
available at their fingertips, hoof tips, as it were. There's only one. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, the fact that they are allowed to punch is kind of interesting because that's not something that that's not something that's necessarily made available to people in the target audience so yeah when does this air in relation to steven universe and all that because like the magical girl subset i want to say this was 2011 i think so because it it had nine season and seasons, and it ended last year. October 10th, 2010. Okay. Yeah, so. Um, and uh, kind of going back to the, boy, I wonder if this is important, you know, Twilight's element taking the form of a crown has no greater implications whatsoever. Nope. Especially, well, <laughs> sorry. No, it's just nope, no greater implications, none. Yeah, like especially while the rest of them only get necklaces. Like we get it, she's the main character, but damn. Yeah. Also, I like how wait, no, that's your point. Sorry. I just said it a bunch, but you wrote it down. No, it's okay. Honestly, like most of what I was thinking about for the elements and like I feel like merchandise is going to be a recurring theme of this show i mean it's not just a recurring theme like the history of hasbro and my little pony is my little pony is an engine for advertising and selling toys like the show itself isn't necessarily meant to be the main way that it makes money the money's in the merchandising and yeah. that's honestly like one of the reasons I think that uh, Hasbro, like, low-key didn't crack down on a lot of, like, the fan sites that were torrenting uh, the episodes because the episodes weren't fuck. the moneymaker. Yeah. The yeah. more people who watched the episodes, the more people who were advertised the actual things they were making money off of. That's fair. And, like, this has tons of potential. Like, sell the Twilight horse and then in a separate package, sell a crown for your Twilight horse with a matching crown for you. Yeah. Twilight horse not included. Yeah. Like, that's how they get you. They get you with the accessories and with the variants and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and we'll see lots of lots of that. So we'll, we'll be sure to call out that merchandising. Merchandising, merchandising. <laughs> Speaking of merchandising and the amount of rainbows used in this show, gay! The power of friendship is actually the power of being gay. Yeah. Uh, fucking everything in this show is a rainbow. It's very good. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I guess rainbows are also associated with, like, joy and innocence, but also gay! Yep. And lastly, the final point that we have written in our notes document, uh, Pinky can break the fourth wall and we're just not going to talk about that, huh? Yeah, it's very like Looney Tunes, the way the episode ends on her just like, now y'all come back now, <laughs> um, like Porky the Pig. 
Yeah, and and I think this kind of just reflects on Pinky's character in general, because more than any of the other characters in the show, she is the most cartoony, and she is also the most kind of like, I don't want to say she's aware of the fact that she's in a cartoon, but she's definitely closer to being aware of that fact than anybody else on the show. Oh, yeah. She's some kind of weird creature that I'm not willing to say is a pony. <laughs> Pinkie Pie, what are you? An eldritch abomination wearing the skin suit of a pony. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so August! <laughs> uh, fuck. Um, to completely deviate from that, um, we've sort of each picked our favorite moment from each episode. So for this episode of our culmination of two episodes we will have two different moments but usually there will be one unless it's a two-part special but we this is just a moment that like we want to draw attention to it's it's our main event of the show what we really like enjoyed the most of everything so do you want to go first or sure uh so for episode one my main event was the appearance of nightmare moon because i fucking love her character design especially her mane and tail yes and keep looking at that mane and tail because i did not notice luna's revert to the solid blue mane and that goes away pretty fast yeah i don't know what happened with her character design but it's like it was there for one episode and then she's different the next time you see her which I love the sparkly star sky mane. Yeah, I mean, I think like if you wanted to talk about it diegetically, you could make an argument of like she's coming back into her power after mm -hmm. having like renounced Nightmare Moon, blah, 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 blah. What I really think it probably was, was they did that model as a one-off. And yeah. when she came back up, uh, because as I recall, Friendship is Magic was animated in Flash, so they may have just, like, lost the fucking file for her or deleted oh it or something, and so they decided to start over. Eh. Or they realized that, like, gods don't have plain manes. Yeah. Like, Celestia's perpetually flowing rainbow mane. Her flowing pansexual mane. Yeah, like... To give Luna just a solid baby blue mane. Excuse me, that's periwinkle. Oh my god. To give her a solid periwinkle mane sort of like implies that she's still lesser than her sister in a way. Because mm -hmm. she still has learning to do, right? Like, she's been away for a thousand years. We won't talk about where, but she's back now. Yeah. So, what was your main event? My main event for episode one was a lot less reflective of artistic choice and was simply just Fluttershy's reaction to meeting a baby dragon because Fluttershy is the cutest fucking thing. And I know you told me going into this that like Fluttershy is a character that like trans women tend to latch onto a lot. I know it's a lot. It's a favorite character of a lot of the trans women, you know? Yep. So like, I don't know, just her little... Her little mumbling and then her outgoing reaction to meeting Spike, who revels in the attention. 
Yeah. I still don't know if I like Spike or not. I think he's grown on me a little bit more, but in this first season, I really didn't like him. Yeah, first season Spike doesn't really have much appeal for me. And I think they could have done some interesting things with him later on that they definitely fumble on. But, I mean, we'll see as we go forward. But, yeah, just the the way that Fluttershy just, like, completely opens up with Spike is just absolutely adorable. So what's your highlight from episode two? My highlight from episode two is the part where the main six get the elements because that is some peak magical girl bullshit and I love it. That's fair. They don't really get a full-on transformation scene, do they? Well, not right here, at least, but also, like, transformation sequences often involve clothes transforming, and the ponies spend most of their time naked. (laughs) Yup, and we know it's naked because they sometimes wear clothes. And they also talk about in one episode how, like, You know, why do you care if somebody sees you without clothes? You don't wear clothes anyway. That's true. I think that was Applejack. Applejack talking to Rarity, I want to say. But that's later. So, yeah, and also Rarity is a fashion designer. So, like, the fact that most ponies don't wear clothes, like, is interesting. Yeah. It's like her, her designs are a symbol of your status, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) anyway the transformation is great though like i like all their unique necklaces even though it's just a ploy to sell more toys to children i like them (laughs) yeah i like these horses uh they're good horses they're all good horses brent oh my god uh my main event for episode two is Pinkie pie's laughter song and like i know it seems like a small thing but this song gets stuck in my head for days at a time so it's it's my highlight it's short but catchy and you can pretty much substitute any words for like blank at the blanky and uh (laughs) you can make this song into whatever you want and it can go on for hours and it's so fucking catchy all right i think that about does it yeah so we have a special ending thing for y'all yep We are going to end each week with a horse fact. This is a random piece of horse trivia that we found online that may or may not be true. We're assuming it's true because why would the internet ever lie to us? And this week's horse fact is one of my personal favorites. A horse has only one functional toe on each foot and its thick toenail is actually the hoof. It makes contact with the ground like a ballet dancer. And if you have any fun horse facts that you want us to include on the show, send them to us on Twitter at EquestriaGaze, and we'll give you a shout-out. Until next time, stay cool, everypony. Remember, Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, and wear your fucking mask.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Tell your friends about us or tweet about us using the Equestria Gaze hashtag. We're also a member of Standing Stones Productions, a nonprofit podcasting guild. Some of our other shows include Follow the Leader and The Room Where It Happened, two TTRPG actual play shows, and The Escaphile Files, a podcast where two of our friends read and talk about the Animorph series. You can find out more about all of our projects at Stones underscore Standing on Twitter. Unfortunately, Standing Stones was already taken. Anyway, your support means a lot. Thanks again for listening.